Brendan O'Connor on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Timber Living Log Cabins. For your perfect workspace, living space or hideaway, timberliving.ie. Well, tomorrow, um, which is Sunday, if anybody are still confused, uh, tomorrow marks my next guest's final day as the Irish Times Washington correspondent and we have asked him to reflect on his time in the US and to uh, assess for us whether 2024 will be Donald Trump's year or Joseph Biden's. Martin Wall, good morning. Welcome home. Hello, Deborah. How has it been? What an incredible, incredible time to be on the Washington uh, DC beat. How long were you there in total? Um, Over two years. Over two years. Um, so, and uh, yep, yeah, so it was fascinating, a uh, fascinating time of, uh, as an observer of a country that is going through significant change. and has, has to been de- for some time. And has to decide what type of country it actually wants. And I think the next 12 months are going to be very, um, I think by the end of next year, by this time next year, we will know who is, go- well, we should know <laughs> who is going to be in the White House for until 2028. And we will know what way, what direction the United States is going to go in. And not just the United States, I mean, all over the world, is it 40% of the, the world's democracies are going to the polls next year. It's going to be a well, phenomenal year. We could year. have a situation here where we could have, a, we will have an election in the United States. Mm-hmm. We could have an election in the UK. Time on. And we get an election here in Ireland. Yeah. So uh, in the course of so next year will be a year of elections. Yeah. Um, right across. But the, as I say, the United States is an election that everybody looks at. And given what happened in 2020, given what happened in 2020, in 2016, and um, we will see where, where it goes. But and the, did you move lock, stock and barrel? Did the whole family go out with you? Or? No, um, the, it was just myself and my wife, our uh, two kids, our, we have two kids. And, um, Home alone. They were well. They're they're not they're not they're not children anymore. They're in their they're in their mid twenties, and uh, both of them had finished college. Both of them are working, so they lived in our house. In they stayed in our house, and we moved to Washington. So, the you know it's a bit unusual. Um, the normal circumstance of people at our age of life is your kids kind of leave and go away. We we left and left our kids behind. So it was a um, but brilliant. And tell me the look the the Washington um, correspondent is a bit a title is a bit misleading because in effect you're travelling the length and breadth of America. Did you make an effort to, to get out beyond the 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 whole, I suppose, the world that is DC? Yeah, the, 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 the writing instructions basically from the Irish Times when I left really was this was get out of Washington. Um, the, the Trump years were different in the sense that they were... Wa- the the world, the political world revolved wherever Donald Trump was at that particular time or wherever he had access to his phone to tweet and... You could be planning to do things, and then he would tweet something, and would change the entire um, the entire dynamic of the the, the, the day, or whatever. So post Trump, it was aimed to get out, and we, you know, I we went travelled quite a fair bit. Uh, travelled. I was out of Washington virtually every three weeks. What was your most memorable, or perhaps maybe most the the most surprising thing about um, America? Because we maybe have a you know, set views about it. But actually, once you get out of, you know, California, New York and the big, big states, it's like all the states are like different countries. Oh, it's completely, completely different. Mm. And the, you know, we, we what struck me in terms of just we, we would drive driving along and we pull into a restaurant or from the side of the road. The the proliferation of Fox News on TV was extraordinary in terms of we don't think of that and come from looking at it from Ireland. And it we also very, don't have that cable TV culture. no. No, and we don't have 24-hour news and we don't have the, politi- when I say the politicisation of news, the politicisation of news coverage, that, it's co- that news is covered from a particular angle. 
and uh, that that was uh, extraordinary. But the you know we, I I travelled. I was on the road for on one occasion for nearly six weeks. Uh, I had, we, we did a lot of travelling down south um, to. Georgia to uh, Louisiana to Mississippi. Mm. I was in Mississippi in Jackson, Mississippi at the abortion clinic that was actually at the centre of the Dobbs ruling that changed yeah. the entire piece. And that overturned Roe v. Wade. That overturned Roe v. Wade. Mm. And un- uh, unfortunately, I'm old enough to remember the, the referenda in Ireland about abortion here in the 1980s. And also and interesting just to see the recent state papers released about that decade when we introduced um, Ex- our, 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 our constitutional ban of abortion. What was it like going to Mississippi um, amidst the fervour I, I of the thought fallout I, of that ruling? I, I thought having been lived through initially in school and then later as a journalist, the how the, the issues were covered and the arguments and the backwards and forwards. But n- n- I was very, very shocked when I got, when I was standing outside, the, the level of vitriol, the level of anger, um, it was outside that clinic was uh, shocking um, because I suppose in Ireland at the time when we were talking about abortion, we were talking about abortions were not happening in, in Ireland. Ireland. The whole point so, was to stop. Was, so yeah. what, what you had in Mississippi, in Jackson, Mississippi was you had a main street and on the main street there was this big pink building and there were women who were driving in and out to it and they had to go. To the, the car park entrance was up a side street and, and you had to drive past. The protesters were across the road and they were... They had to run a volley. Absolutely. Yeah, I always kind of find of interesting that we had our ban in partly a response to Roe versus Wade and here we are 30 years later. It's, a, it's an interesting uh, reversal. Another uh, place you went to which must have been quite harrowing was uh, Uvalde in Texas after the school shooting which was it 18? 19, 19, 19 children and two teachers and we got to Uvalde Probably a little over twenty four hours after I happened to be in that part of the world, not 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 in Texas, but I was in in the west on the west coast, so it was easier to get to rather than coming from DC. So it was, um, but it was the what struck me was the level just of profound sadness, and the night of the night after the the deaths uh, after the, the the shootings, there was a rodeo stadium about uh, about a couple of miles outside of town and a really really big stadium. And there were lots of politicians, lots of and fa- the families of the victims. I, I was not uh, having worked as a journalist in Ireland, not expecting to see families on the day their ch- child had died, wanting to speak to the media, bringing their their one mother brought the artwork of her little girl cards. This this girl wanted to be an artist, and she drawn up birthday cards and Christmas cards and whatever, and brought them along to show. They wanted to speak. They wanted to get their voices heard. And the, the fascinating part that the last that, that that evening was that there were lots of politicians, there were lots of lots clergy, of prayers. lots of prayers, lots of invocations and calling on God to give comfort, which is absolutely fine. Lots of singing. The word guns was not mentioned by anybody, and it was just I just thought it was just that was just the way it was, and it was. Um, but can you maybe even just chat to me about that because I, I had was very fortunate to, to, to live in the States and travel extensively in it and the great rite of passage that we all get with the J1s and everything else. But it can be so hard for people who've never lived or spent a long period of time in the US to understand how intractable the gun debate is, even looking at the amounts of accidental deaths involving toddlers and young children, the level of gun deaths and, you know, and yet you can't, it seems, go near it. No, the, the, the history of it basically is the right to bear arms. 
Now, it depends how you define it. You know, the, the Constitution talks about a well-regulated militia. Now, a well-regulated militia has been translated into being that everyone can have from a pistol up onto a semi-automatic assault rifle. And you can have those in some, in some cases in home, in some cases you can have concealed carry, you can some and cases often you carry with minimal them checks or some cases no. with no checks. And if gun shows you can buy them, you know, you, you see you drive around, you see advertisements for gun shows and there are one people selling it to another, one person selling it to another. So it's not really it is it was just that um I uh, th- 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 there are two issues about it, I think, really, that, that struck me. One was how we hear and we cover big, there's a hierarchy of cases that we cover and it has generally a certain number of deaths or a location of deaths. Mm-hmm. But there is a a, a a low level drumbeat of shootings that go on Constant. all the time. I, I was just happened to be in New York on the day that a just purely by chance on something else the day that somebody opened fire in, in the subway in New York. Now, we tur- shot at the lights were gone, the dark, and it was somebody with a gun shooting at people. We can all relate to that, the fear, the, the horror, the terror that was. And we covered it and it got covered internationally for days and days and days. That same week, in another borough of New York, a 15-year-old schoolgirl had been coming home, walking home from school, and she was shot dead in crossfire be- between a shooting between two essentially rival gangs. Nobody covered that. Now, if we think about that in Ireland, that there's it, it a got, hierarchy of victimhood. There's a hierarchy. If we, if you think about that in Ireland, if a school child was shot dead mm. walking home from school, we would be broadcasting about it and writing about it for weeks. It got covered in the local part of New York and probably in the New York Times, but it certainly wasn't a national story. And that is a that that struck me in terms of. This goes on all the time. We had another instance. It's almost normalised. It's like an acceptable um, level. Speaking of New York and a man who said that if he probably walked down uh, Fifth Avenue with a gun, he'd probably get away with it. I'm paraphrasing. I'm, of course, talking about Donald Trump because we can't avoid that. And one of the things that must be fascinating for people who are covering US politics is attending those rallies. Did you get to any of them? I was at, I've been at a number of pieces with Trump supporters and the I was at a, 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 one or two after the court cases in the, the various court cases. Um, I was in Miami for his appearance in court. I was in New York for his appearance in court. Um, the Miami in, in New York was very different because Miami, yeah. Miami, sorry, New York is a Democrat city. There are Trump supporters, no doubt about that, but they are outnumbered quite considerably by people who are anti-Trump. Miami was a different story. The police in Miami, he was on trial, he was being indicted in relation to the classified documents that yeah. were found in his home in Miami, in Florida. And the, the, the police chief was forecasting 50,000 Trump supporters on the streets. And it, what would that actually mean? As it transpired, there weren't. There were, there, there by no means there were. And, as, and there was no incident. We were all waiting for incidents of violence. We all, you know, speculation this would be a rerun of January 6th, etc. Yeah. It wasn't. It was, in many ways, it was like performance art. There were, the, the, the arguments tended to be between supporters of Ron DeSantis, who was the governor of Florida, and Donald Trump. And they were political arguments. There was no issue with that. There was a man, the only Trump, anti-Trump supporter, or anti-Trump individual I saw there was a, was a, uh, a man who walked around in a, a prison inmate's outfit with a flag, with a banner saying lock him up, who ironically was the only person detained by police because he jumped in front of Trump's car and was arrested himself. So he was the only person who was detained that day as far as... But those who believe in Donald Trump believe in him. Some of the evangelical um, right think that he's been sent by God. But 
When you're speaking to those supporters, um, they're unwavering it's in their belief. N- not only is it unwavering, it is the level... I met, in some instance, people who had travelled for, flown for three and four hours, driven for three and four hours to be... They were never going to meet him. He was never going to come out and shake hands in the street. It was... They just wanted to be there. And on one occasion in Florida, I got caught behind a police line. It just so happens with the number of Trump supporters for half an hour while the police cleared the road. And we were just talking. There was no... Now, Trump supporters may have issue with journalists, but they're largely US journalists. They, were, they had no issue in terms of somebody from Ireland. In fact, when they knew us from Ireland, we talked about Ireland. They wanted to talk about their own heritage, their own stories, whatever else. There was nothing about that. But like, talking, why do, why do you support this man? And they believed that he is a man that is their voice. They believed that um, with the whole area of globalisation, that jobs had left the United States, the manufacturing jobs had left to go to Asia and China, etc., and they were left behind. Now, we can look at globalisation as an issue that on a macro level raises boats and raises incomes for around the world. But if you have lost your job personally and your factory has closed and your town has been decimated, you can understand why people are angry about so it. You can understand his pulling part, but... What about the staying power? You know, he was the outsider who's taken over the Republican Party. Even if he goes, arguably, I think the phenomenon of Trumpism, if that's a phrase, will survive. What do you think is going to happen in 2024? As We have to look at this from the prism of now. That's mm. the, Things may change. If you think about it, yeah. before the beginning of October, nobody was talking about Gaza being an, an, an issue or an influence at any description. So things may change. But as of now, we have to bear in mind, Trump has, is by a mile, the leading figure in the Republican Party. You know, if we think about it, he's 30, 40, 50 points ahead in some polls. He has, if you added up And in the key states, the six or seven that count, that's the... That's the key thing. And And the other part we have to bear in mind is that the Biden coalition that elected Joe Biden, the... And Joe Biden got young people's votes, he got women's votes, he got people in the, the, the black community votes. And that is fraying. We can't say that it will, it's gone, but it is certainly fraying. The and how can that short gap in age in relative terms between Joe Biden and Donald Trump be s- such a big, big issue? Bearing in mind, Joe Biden would be 82 going into uh, his next term if, if he were to succeed. And, and more to the point, he'd be 86 when he would mm. c- conclude it. I think the issue really is, is people look and see at stamina. They look and see... But the other part you also bear in mind is that people have underestimated Joe Biden on a number of occasions. November of la- of 2022, for the midterm elections, he was written off. The polls said Democrats were going to be decimated. He said, no, let's fight on this on democracy. And went out and was probably the only person talking about it. The Democrats held their own, by and large. They lost the, the House of Representatives, but only by a small amount. And uh, so, but the issue would be is that the age, if you look at the polls in terms of age is a big issue. People see, is this man able to do the job for the next five years, essentially, when we take the... the, And the other part we have to bear in mind as well is the inflation, the cost of living. The prices are... are, Inflation is falling. There's no question about that. The US economy... You know, the part of the fundamentals are, are, are strong. Employment is low. But part of it's quite structural. Like, I mean, me- medium incomes have stalled over, you know, a vast number of abs- years. Absolutely. They have certain challenges. Can I ask you, um, you know, because sometimes you see it in the realm of science fiction or fiction before it becomes a reality. And there have been a lot of um, creative works that have tilted or suggested at the prospect of a civil war in America. Having lived there and having really been, I suppose, at the centre of those cultural hot button issues, everything, do you think that that is a 
possibility at all? I, I think the issue of a civil war indicates structured armies. I don't think... Could there be more violence? Yes. You have people who are armed. Are people very... Fer, fer, you know, they're fervent in their views? Absolutely. I think people talking about, and you've seen some, you know, let's have a divorce in terms of a national divorce. Now, the one piece though, we all live through Brexit. Separating the United States, state from state, would make Brexit look like a tea party in terms of the the commercial business links or whatever else. So the practicalities of that. Could there be a civil war? There certainly could be violence. There's no, mm. and I think the issue, the key, one of the key issues we're going to see in the next few months, even before the election, is this attempt the legal attempts to keep uh, Donald Trump off the ballot. Forgive me, I've sort of lost track. Me in Colorado, I think, were two of them, but did he get back on somewhere else? Well, it's not... It's it, the, the issue will be is that they're all at various different stages. Yeah. Some are at... And ultimately, it'll end up in the Supreme Court in Washington. But if Donald Which Trump... Which raises an interesting question. Would this Supreme Court bar uh, Donald Trump? I would find it difficult mm. to believe. Now, I think yeah. there may be issues in terms of the Supreme Court... Will the Supreme Court bite the bullet in terms of define what an insurrection is? Will they, you know, or say he was not? Or will they use more procedural grounds to try um, to say this can't go any further and keep Trump on the ballot? Because remember, we're talking at the moment, we're talking about Trump on the ballot for the primary elections, not for the general election, although one would follow from the other. But so we will have to see in terms of, but if Trump was not allowed on the ballot, if that happened, if we follow that logic down the, down the road, I think the, would there be people on the streets? Yes, I think there would be in relation to it. As and, I, to and I'd have to bring you back in for another day to ask if not, <laughs> who would be on that ballot? It is absolutely fascinating. I'm going to have to let you go. Welcome home, uh, Martin, and thanks a million uh, for coming in to say us and Happy New Year. We're going to take a very, very quick break. Thanks a million. Text 51551. Brendan O'Connor on RTE Radio 1.